This episode is brought to you by Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. No antibiotics, herbicides, or pesticides. Just pure chicken, humanely raised on a vegetarian diet. It's the natural choice of celebrated chefs. For more information, visit m.springermountainfarms.com. Thanks for joining Heritage Radio Network on tour. We're your hosts. I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler. And, and with us... And I'm Jack Inslee here, loving my time so far here in Nashville. Uh, we're like, what, half a day in? A full day yeah, in? we're coming up on the 18-hour mark, I think. The 18-hour <laughs> mark? Yeah. Having We've been living hard these 18 hours. Living really hard. Um, loving, loving, loving everything here, though. We're in this amazing courtyard right here. There's a Beyonce concert in town, so that's that's part of the atmosphere in Nashville today. Um, I'm feeling feeling yeah. a little sadness. <laughs> Spoiler alert: <laughs> that we're Chef not going to see Bay tonight, but maybe we will. I think that you know we're at some classy places this evening, and yeah. you know we might just be hanging out with her later. We'll keep you posted. We'll see. We'll see. Um, at Union Grub Light right now, though, and uh, the chef we're going to speak to today, I've been told, is a real Renaissance man. That was the phrase that was used to describe Chef before we met Chef. But yeah. Katie, I'll let you tell us a little bit more about Chef. Well, I'm really very, very pleased to introduce Chef Edgar Penley today. He is the executive chef of Urban Grub Fresh Fish and Aged Meats in Nashville's 12 South neighborhood, where he's known as a quality fanatic in sourcing produce, meat, and seafood, and also for running his own in-house butchery and charcuterie program. And I will just say that we have been feasting so far on an amazing charcuterie plate that included some duck candy, mm. some ring bologna, a delicious cured smoked salmon. Yes. Um, so it's really been a treat so far, and there's more to come. I just want to say, Chef Edgar, hi, and thank you so much for having us here tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure. Excellent. That duck candy was out of control, <laughs> as was the andouille. Um, All right. So sh- I'm going to pass it over to Jack, and he's going to do a round of a rapid-fire questions. And uh, just let her roll. These are easy. This is easy rapid-fire. No gotcha moments. Um, so what we've been asking all the chefs, simple. Last great bite that you had, literally, if you can think about today, like the last great thing you ate. Um, I was in the dish room earlier, and I scraped some hash browns off of a pan. That was the last one that I had. <laughs> How recent was that? Like, like 20 minutes 30 ago? 30 minutes yeah. ago. <laughs> Excellent. Um, this is a fun one, and you got to be honest. What is, as we speak right now, in your refrigerator at home? Like, walk me through it. Milk. Um, eggs that are definitely bad. Uh I don't even eat eggs because I'm allergic to them, but my girlfriend does. And um, there are, there's something growing out of the freezer. (laughs) And a half drank two liter Coke. I don't even know, I don't know how long that's been in there. The carbonation. I think they stopped making two liter Cokes actually. So that's like at least six months old. That's the whole contents of that. That is actually it it. completely. Wow. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. All right, um, moving on. Favorite childhood meal? Like, what comes to mind immediately? Uh, uh, Hormel chicken and noodles, the little oval microwave deals. Uh, Or my mom used to make these burritos that were like enchiladas. 
super, you know, Dude. old El Paso, straight up, like taco seasoning, red, red, red sauce on top, and yellow cheese. It's the second enchilada answer we had to that question today. Really? Yeah, wow. That's incredible. Um, you mentioned chicken. That's awesome. Springer Mountain Farms is the reason we're here today. So I got to ask you, like, what are you doing with chicken? Nashville's obviously, like, a chicken town. Uh, we, we ate Prince's as, as soon as we got off the flight. As, as one does. As, as you should have. Yeah, extra hot. I yeah. think I'm just over it now. Did you say please and thank you and ma'am yeah, plenty of times? It didn't matter, but yeah. I mean... I, you still had to wait two hours. It was an hour. Yeah. A solid hour. Yeah. But uh, what are you doing with chicken here? What are, like, what's your take on chicken? Uh, well, we do, um, <clears throat> we do a lot of things with chicken, actually. Um, we use the chicken at least three times to maximize as much profit out of it as possible. Uh, so we only buy whole birds. Um, we do a whole smoked bird, and then from the smoked, we do a pulled chicken that goes in our uh, club carbonara, and we also take the tenders out of them to do hot chicken and waffles. Um, we do some chicken force meats. Uh, we do a chicken boudin, where we bone the whole birds out. Um, we do a fried chicken skin right now that I don't. We don't actually have on the menu because we're out of uh, this evening but uh, and then we take all the bones uh, for roasted stock and then we wash them out after that again so we get full maximization out of a bird a chicken's worth uh, yeah yeah a chicken's worth <laughs> awesome um what would you say your proudest piece of produce in the kitchen is right now uh where uh, what is it october 2nd today right yeah yeah, yeah. october 2nd it's all terrible yeah yes produce is pretty much done here for us um, but there's the gourd market, like, right across well, the street. Well, we're all in pumpkins now. So we've got plenty of gorgeous pumpkins, but uh, it sucks. I mean, we're, we basically wrapped up our, produ our local produce season in the last uh, two weeks, right before I got on the road to do um, Cincinnati and then Euphoria and then be in Atlanta. We shut our portion of the produce stand down. So um, up to that point, we were, we were growing about 6,000 pounds of tomatoes a week. Um, so pretty wild, and then it yeah. just cut off. Right. Um, so now we're selling out of chicken skin. So That's now cool. we're yeah we're selling out of chicken skin and hoping people like pumpkins and squash. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, we got a, we got a bunch of beautiful pumpkins and butternut squash and stuff like that back there. Uh, so um, yeah. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Last one before we let you out of the rapid fire. What's your post shift drink? Water. Great answer. I don't drink. Yeah. So cool. I mean, it, I don't have a problem. I just don't have time. Yeah. Awesome. So sweet. All right. You, well, you survived rapid fire. Thank you very much. Thank God. <laughs> no, no gotcha. Has this ever actually killed anybody? No. Okay. No, well, that's they're, good. They're softballs. That's good. Yeah. Uh, but we will be right back. We're here in Nashville. We're having a blast. Uh, this is Jack and Z with Katie Moserman, and we will be right back on Heritage Radio Network. Stay with us after this quick break. This episode was brought to you by Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. For almost 50 years, Springer has been family-owned and family-run. Today, there are over 300 family farmers raising birds in Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Many of them are second, even third generation. They're committed to doing things the right way. Springer was one of the first poultry companies to forego the use of antibiotics, and they've embraced other humane practices too. In fact, they were the first poultry company to earn the American Humane Association's seal of approval. 
Springer has also led the way in testing for and eliminating all herbicides and pesticides from the chicken's feed supply. Springer Mountain farmers know what's best for your chicken. We're into that. Better feed, better care for the animals. It just makes sense. From their family's farms to your family's table, Springer Mountain Farms. For more information, visit m.springermountainfarms.com. So we are back. We've been having some warm feelings about lobster in the meantime. (laughs) You are listening to Heritage Radio Network on tour, on location in Nashville, Tennessee. And our guest today is Chef Edgar Penley of Urban Grub. Uh, So, Chef, first, I have to ask you about the space because I know you had a big hand in the design and the actual construction of what we're in. But is it true that this actually used to be a car wash? It's still standing as a car wash. The middle, the middle of the restaurant is actually the original wash bay where the kitchen is. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you had it already plumbed up and. Ready well, to go? it was uh, it was easier to plumb because it was a pit, where it all <laughs> drained downwards. So we had a foot to start the drop off on the uh, on the runoff water. So. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I've heard that they call you the maintenance man. I am in How? fact the maintenance man. Did you develop these abilities in addition to, obviously, your culinary talents and your butchery talents? How did you get started in this kind of design and construction? Uh, <clears throat> well, I have, a de- I have a degree in construction management uh, from Middle Tennessee as well. Um, basically, when the bottom dropped out of the economy in uh, 2008 or 2006, you know, 2008, the company that I was working for, I was on the road uh, opening hotels, and they said, hey, you want to move back here and get another degree and open a hotel where, where you're getting that degree? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure, why not? So they actually paid for uh, both of my degrees. Wow. So, that is the way to go. Yeah. You can swing it. That's amazing. Yeah, right? How lucky. <laughs> Debt-free. It's yeah. the way to be. Um, okay, and what about the smokehouse? What's going on here with that? Uh, the smokehouse. You're doing your own curing and smoking we, here? Yeah, we do. Um, we do uh, quite a bit of curing and smoking. Um, we go through about 650 pounds of bacon a week. Um, anywhere between 400 and 500 pounds of andouille. A week, and then about another hundred pounds of this ring bologna on top of it, um, as well as about thirty-five hundred country hams a year. Wow! Uh, so it's not technically a smoke house, as in like uh, like what Alan Benton has. Okay. It's not a big roll-in room. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we do use vertical smokers um, over elapsed periods of time. Okay. Um, and then they hang in a curing room after that. So. Okay. Uh, we're actually in the middle of building a butcher shop at the moment. Um, it will have a full smokehouse for us there. Uh, so we're getting pretty excited about that. That's amazing. It'll be in the wholesale and the retail business, uh, as well as it'll be a bakery and a charcuterie and a patisserie as well. So it's kind of like Ganesh. It's got like nine <laughs> arms, you know what I mean? And when you were kind of getting started and learning about charcuterie and meat curing, what was the first thing you made where you really felt like, this is it, I nailed it? Andouille. Yeah. Yeah. We started, we actually started making that, uh, we made about 10 pounds a week. Um, 
out of like a tiny little number 12 KitchenAid grinder, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then we went up to like a one size larger than that. And we really thought we were doing it hard when we were doing 50 pounds a week. And now we're making 600 pounds of it every week. And it's terrible. There's just meat everywhere, just constantly. Uh, the grinder that we use puts out 65 pounds a minute. What? Wait. 65 pounds? It can, can grind can you, 65 pounds a minute. What 65 pounds of ground meat look like? Like, can I hold that in my arms? No. No. It's, it's basically like a full giant tub. Yeah, it's half of Matt. Wow. I think he's insinuating only weighs 130 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm calling bullshit on that. <laughs> what what is it? What what kind of container is it going into when you're pumping out 65 pounds? They're a they're meat totes. They're actually designed for meat. They're like they're stacking. They're they're okay. called meat lugs. You lu you literally lug them around. There's there are companies that manufacture meat totes. There are companies that manufacture nothing but meat manufacturing equipment. Wow. Yeah. And for a place, I mean, you're not a sausage factory. You are a restaurant. <laughs> I like to be thought of as a sausage I mean, factory, are, though. But <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, about 100 pounds a day. Wow. Yeah. That's, Sometimes a little but more. But that's only two minutes worth on the grinder, not even. Yeah, Just, right. You know. It's no time at all. <laughs> it actually has really force. Fine. It actually has a lot of force to it. If you don't cover it with your hand, it, it will just spatter all over the wall sometimes <laughs> yeah yes it does quite often like i had meat all over my face this morning it's like whoa blowout it's like picking it off and then i lay down at night and the dog and the cat like stand over top of me and then like s <laughs> slow licks that's what i call them it's like i wake up and they're just kind of like looking me in the eye and just kind of uh, uh. yeah right yeah Oh my yeah. God. All right. Well, um, that's a little bit of a gruesome yet awesome set of images that yeah. you're leaving us with there. Um, They're all sustainably raised hogs, though. Well, speaking of sustainability, can we talk a little bit about the green building that we're in and what's green about it? How are you involved? It's well, OK, so uh, like 90 percent of the products from the original building were recycled. Um, all the doors and windows and stuff came out of other buildings this lumber uh, was all uh, pulled out of uh, an old barn in Franklin Tennessee um, I've got um, we're actually taking down our hydroponic tomatoes in the back because that was a failure of a project it's oh one no. of my, my big shaming moments Wait, what, I want to know what happened we had Tell these the we had these tomatoes growing in buckets in the back but it's just a failure. I don't. They they would just get super viney, and then the birds would come and and rape our tomatoes all day, oh no. and then the squirrels would come to fight with the birds, and it was like varmint territory back there all the time, and I just I was like, you know, it was such an awesome idea, yeah. and then such a shitty result. I'm so sorry. We literally created a war. It was just spoiled tomatoes and, and varmints all over the place. Like so, all the worst of like, Bambi. Yeah, right. Like, oh, my God. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I know, right? right? And then the squirrels <laughs> nested in the roof. And then, like, you know, 930 at night on a Saturday night, I've got a squirrel running through the restaurant. And it's just mayhem. And so I, the mayhem just had to stop. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. All so. right. Well, 
I'm glad you tried anyway. We did try. That sounds like you really gave it the old college we, try. We did, indeed. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, maybe next time you can try something that has a little more some simple. Thorns yeah, maybe some thorns, indeed. Something a little, thorns. Uh, a little more violent. Right. That yeah. <laughs> contend with the regional varmint territory. Yeah. Um, all right. So I would also love for you to tell us a little bit about um, your sourcing. I mean, we mentioned a little bit that the local produce is going out of season, but we know that you really, really care about having the best of everything. And I want you to talk a little bit, if you can, about the kind of trade-offs between the benefits of buying local versus what you can actually manage to do and still get out high-quality product here. So <clears throat> during the year, uh, during growing season, um, we contract a Mennonite farm that, and they raise 157 acres worth of produce just for us. Um, wow. I've got basically, it's equivalent to two semi truck loads per week, um, uh, that come through this place. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, in the off season, it's a little tougher than I would like. Uh, right, like I said, we're on... We're ending onions right now. Uh, I've got a grower out of Texas that does pretty good by us. Um, and I have been able to kind of build relationships as opposed to just buying from a big box. I do have to buy from a big box, but they, our big box seems to do a better job sourcing than the other really big boxes. Okay. Okay. It's the big like blue a box. box. Yeah. yeah it's we more like a medium box. So the blue box we try to stay away from. Okay. We we buy some flour uh -huh. and some like canned stuff from them um, that we know quality and we can buy on price on. Yep. But uh, for the most part, we stay in that medium box range that has the ability to maintain relationships without just putting the screws so hard to everybody to maximize profit. Um, you know, they, like I said, they do a good job. They care about their customers. They care about their farmers. Um, and then at the same time, we're able to still get some squash and stuff like that throughout the year mm -hmm. uh, from our local guys. You know, they'll even do some beans and stuff in their greenhouses over the winter time. Cool. And we've got we got plenty of herbs growing out here right now. Um, I think we're going to take a run at lettuces in their greenhouse nice. over the over the winter. I, I'm not sure how it's going to fare, but we're going to pay for it. They're going to grow it, and if it flops, then it flops, and you know, okay, well, yeah. let's try something else. What so, can you do? Um, I wish I could be as brave as take tomatoes away from my customers in the wintertime. We just take raw tomatoes away. Okay. We go to a roasted tomato. Uh, we also, we put up about, I think we put up 11,000 pounds of tomatoes in cans. Wow. Um, so what does that look like? I don't think I'm supposed to say that in front of the health inspector. So hypothetically oh. speaking, we could have put up like 11,000 pounds of tomatoes in cans. If you put up, yeah. <laughs> Wait, but if you put up... 11,000 pounds cans pounds of tomatoes in cans what would that look like if they were on it shelves would look on the like wall? a 10 by 20 storage unit off-site 
off-site. We're talking off-site. Hypothetically speaking. If there were tomatoes and cans, if there were, they would be... They, they, would, they would look like a 10 by 20 storage unit that costs $189 a month. It's like our entire studio, actually. Yeah, you could actually, if you hypothetically had that many, you yeah. could fill our whole radio studio Hypothetically speaking, there might be cauliflower and carrots in there also. Oh. We might need an extra shipping <laughs> container. <laughs> Um, and we do have some shipping container space in Brooklyn. Not promising you would get any hypothetical veggies back, but uh, if you wanted to send some up, we could at least keep them there for right. you for a little while. Okay. Um, all right. And one other thing that I really want you to talk to us about is um, your seafood sourcing. And I know that you're part of, you've been involved with the Gulf Wild Consortium. Yeah. And I'm so curious how you're working with them and what they're doing as far as labeling so that you know what you're actually getting with your seafood orders. Well, basically, somebody wakes me up at like 3.30 in the morning uh, and it's like, hey, I got this. And then they'll just completely <laughs> cut out. The call will drop and then I'll have to wait like nine minutes. Or basically, I have to go in the other room because I don't want to wake up A, the animals, and B, my girlfriend because it's just rude. Um, it's really considerate. Yeah. And then he'll call me back and he'll be like, I got it. And then it'll cut out again. And I'll just be like, hey, text me. <laughs> And uh, so, anyway, yeah, they call and, and um, they'll tell me what they have, basically. Um, and hit a 7 o'clock Delta Dash or Southwest freight flight, and it gets to me by 12 o'clock. And I'll either send one of my guys or my local seafood guy is also usually there about the same time. Um, and if he's, he's handling something else for me here at the same time, uh, you know, he brings up my oysters for me, so I don't have to run a truck down there. Um, Do you sleep? Sometimes. <laughs> like every other week, once? They, they do. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad they do. Um, yeah, I sleep. I get like three or four hours a day. Oh my it's God. awesome. No, wow. seriously, it's great. All right. 20-minute uh, naps at some points. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. All Gotta right. stay, away, stay out of the rim sleep. <laughs> it makes you depressed. I'm serious. It just does. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, It's uh, then they put it on a plane, and it gets up to us every day but Sunday. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So we're having some freshies. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, okay, last question for you, and then I'm going to uh, pass it over to one other secret surprise guest that we have here today. Um, if you could be any one of your dishes, which one would you be? Uh, I would be a bowl of buttered noodles. <laughs> Why? Because they're delicious. I <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right, well, we have a special surprise guest today. Um, her name is Odetta Hartman. Since we're down here in Music City, we thought it would only be fit to bring along a dear friend of Heritage Radio and an amazing musician in her own right to throw in a good old music question for you. Here we go, Odetta. How you doing? I'm good. So I have a quick question. Who is your favorite musical artist? It is not Beyonce. Um, well, I have a I have a very obvious favorite, um, who would be Harlan Howard. Um, Harlan was my uncle, um, and he 
wrote it the way we saw it most of the time, or all the time, really. Um, and Harlan mo wrote more number ones than anybody in history. So that's, that's, my, that's my number one on the list. What's your favorite number one song of his? Uh, I Fall to Pieces. Wow. So I guess you're going to have a really personal answer to the next follow-up question. But if your uncle were to come into this restaurant and have Shrimp a and seat, grits. Where is he from? Oh, God. Um, I want to say it was Ohio. I, I, I really don't remember, to be honest with you. He's, he's been gone now for 10 years almost. So... Well, thank you very much. Was, yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm blown away. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have one more, uh, one more closing speed round segment here before we let you go. Do it. This is easy stuff. This is actually the easiest question ever. Um, we do a segment with all the chefs. We say it's called Big Ups. Give you a chance to big up somebody else in the community, in the, the Nashville scene. doesn't have to be a chef necessarily, okay. but anybody doing great stuff around here. My big ups? Yep, yours, yeah. That's big right. Tandy. Big Tandy Wilson and Pitmaster Pat. All right. Yeah. How come? I think uh, I think both of those guys uh, pretty much embody uh, everything that's great about local food. Um, they do it right. You know? It's, it's real. It's real shit. It's not fake. No. And... Uh, it's hard to be um, it's hard to be a black sheep in the crowd when you could just cut and run for the money and uh, I think I think those guys just they just do it right they really do awesome um, the last one is, is partially selfish as we're tourists ourselves essentially kind of a city guide thing so if uh, someone's getting off a plane let's say it's like Saturday night first have you time been to in Roberts Nashville. yes. The recession special, the PBR, and the bologna sandwich. That's my tourist note. So you get off the flight, get a cab to Roberts, the recession special is a PBR and a bologna sandwich. And say hi to Becky. Wow, so that's, that's the tip right that's there. That's the tip. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chef. Really yeah. appreciate it. And just to all our listeners, if you want to follow Chef Penley and Urban Grub on all the social medias, you can find them at Edgar underscore Penley or at, uh, and at Urban underscore Grub. For reservations, go to urbangrub.net. And thank you so, so much, Chef, for being here with us tonight and for having us and feeding us this incredible food. It was my pleasure. And uh, I'd love to just remind everybody that this is Heritage Radio Network on tour in Nashville, Tennessee. You can find our entire series by searching Heritage Radio Network on tour on iTunes, Stitcher, or at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a member-supported nonprofit organization. To become a member, you can visit heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Keep in touch by subscribing to our newsletter and following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.